Praise God. Well, we are considering, going to continue to consider uh, our need for revival. Take out your uh, Bibles. Turn to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah. What will be said here this morning uh, will be a reiteration of many things that we've already touched on and alluded to. But uh, turn to the prophet Isaiah chapter 64. You know, an unprecedented tidal wave of commandment-breaking, God-defying, soul-destroying iniquity is sweeping through our land this morning. Amen. We all know that that's true. We see it. Um, If you've been born again for any length of time, there has been vast changes in our culture, uh, very rapid changes as we spiral uh, morally out of control. Like never before, men have sold themselves to the devil at bargain rate prices. Today, unspeakable moral depravity is commonplace. We see gross perversion, utter blasphemy, rank rebellion. All these things are considered um, by the masses, by the multitudes as acceptable, sometimes even touted and promoted or glorified. Also, the devilish spirit of Antichrist sweeps through our culture, twisting, corrupting, and reinventing the nature and the character of divine truth. And I want you to know something, amen, uh, here this morning, church. If there's going to be any hope, and I do believe America as a nation has crossed a line of no return. I, I don't believe there's any hope for America as a nation. I believe that judgment is imminent, amen. I believe this nation will be destroyed by God. But if there's going to be any, any hope, amen, for individuals, Amen. If a standard is going to be raised up against this flood of ungodliness in America, then it's going to come through a vessel that has been sanctified, a vessel that is willing, a vessel that is yielded, a a vessel that is obedient, a vessel that has been prepared by God. Amen. How shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. And if God doesn't have a human vessel to rise up in the power of the Holy goes, then listen to me. There's going to be very little hope even for individuals. We have a responsibility, amen, to obey God. Americans harboring notions about God steeped in tradition and religious myth are at best utterly confused. And so it is. Spiritual delusion is epidemic essentially insulating and alienating the lost masses, amen, from the pure gospel truth that makes true. Hell hath enlarged herself, and she doth enlarge herself daily, amen, devouring Americans as multitudes split hell every single minute, amen. Multitudes are dying and going to hell without the Lord Jesus Christ. However, the situation among the so-called living is not much better than among the dead. If the enemy cannot deceive, entice, tempt, or otherwise destroy the elect, he seeks to neutralize saints by lulling the unsuspecting to sleep. Sadly, Even in the very best of churches, dullness of hearing, moral apathy, and spiritual passivity and weakness tend to be the norm 
rather than the exception. Amen. And not only this, there is a powerful and sinister spirit of oppression leveled against any child of God who would dare set their heart to seek God passionately and fervently. Amen. Listen to me. Don't you underestimate, amen, the aim of the enemy to attack any group, any individual that seeks, amen, to set his face to know God in a greater and a deeper way. There is going to be the onslaught of hell against such an individual to dissuade, amen, to to quench their zeal, amen, to press in and seek the Lord, amen. And yet God, in his infinite mercy, continues to call, he continues to woo, he continues to beckon his people, amen. That includes you and I, amen. There is a remnant, I believe, in America, amen, and God is talking to us. He is urging us to rise up, to shake off the spirit of slumber, and take him at his word, amen. And I believe here this morning, as in times past, the Holy Ghost is sounding the trumpet of alarm. Amen. There is an alarm. There is a trumpet being sounded in Zion. Oh, sleeper, arise. Put thy hand afresh to the plow. Rise up and be filled with the Holy Ghost afresh. Amen. May God give us ears to hear. As the prophet spoke for God in Isaiah chapter 50 and 2, wherefore, when I I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? You know, God can if we will. God can if we will. But you see that God is looking God is searching. Amen. He is looking for a human instrument. He, he is looking for a vessel. Amen. The, the vessel that he has ordained to reveal Jesus Christ in and through. And that is his church. Amen. And when he comes, amen, to the American church, when he comes to you and I, does he find anyone that's willing to rise up and take hold of God to know him? May the Spirit of God once again urge us here this morning, amen, through his word to rise up and to believe him for revival. Our text this morning will be two passages, one an Old Testament lamentation found in Isaiah chapter 64. We're going to read that first, and then the second one is a New Testament exhortation found in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Amen. Let's read in Isaiah chapter 60, 64 and verse 7 and really just the first clause. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. And there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. Oh, what a statement. I tell you, let that sink down into your ears and into your heart. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying to you and I, amen? And there is none 
that calleth, God is expecting someone to call upon him, amen? But he said, there's none. I'm expecting someone to call upon me, but I'm finding no one. I'm expecting someone to stir up themselves to take hold of me. But there's no one, not a one, not a single individual. Oh, what a shame and a reproach. Now turn over to the New Testament. Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 through 7. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The heavenly thought for you and I here this morning, awake, stir thyself. Awake, stir thyself. Oh, Father God, I do need you here this morning. We need you, Lord. We need your word, Father. And I know, Lord, that you are speaking to us. I know, Lord, that you are awakening us and calling us by your word, Father. And I ask, Lord, that this word would be anointed with your spirit. I ask, Father God, that it would be applicable. Lord God, I pray that it would be a living word, Father God, for us here this morning, that we would have ears to hear, that it would be mixed with faith. Lord God, that we would be encouraged to rise up, to fight the good fight of faith, Father God. I ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for grace, O Lord, to speak and grace to hear. We ask it in the name of Jesus that everybody say it, amen and amen. I want to briefly here this morning just take a cursory look at these two seemingly unrelated passages and address, amen, the underlining spiritual implications as I see them. I think the lessons are clear to us, especially in the vein, the spiritual vein that we're in, amen. I believe that we all know what the Holy Ghost is telling us here, amen. And again, I uh, I know that this is a reiteration. We've touched on this already, but it would be good for us to hear it again. First of all, amen, we go back to the Old Testament passage that we read, amen, and there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. We need to recognize here this morning that above all, God expects us to believe what he says. He expects us to have faith in him and faith in his word. Now, we know that a faith that refuses to do, amen, and a faith that refuses to act in accordance with its confession, amen, is likened in the Bible to being demonic, amen? And we don't have devil's faith, or uh, I pray that we don't have devil's faith, but that we have pure faith. And so if we say that we believe, amen, then we must act upon what we say, amen? It's not enough merely to confess that we know. 
It's not enough merely to say, yes, I agree. But we must act upon the divine truth that has been revealed to us. Amen. So we see here, amen, there is none that calleth upon thy name, said the prophet of Israel. We see here in this Old Testament lamentation, the prophet points out the root problem of backslidden and powerless Israel. You read through the entirety of chapter 64 of Isaiah, and it begins with a prayer for God to reveal his power afresh among his people. But quickly, the prophet moves into exposing the current spiritual conditions that hinder the realization of such noble request. And so the prophet then, with all the might and all the power of the Holy Ghost, buries the axe with full force into the very root of the issue. What is the issue? Well, there's no one, amen, that's calling upon, amen, the name of God. And no one seems to stir themselves up to take hold of God, amen. That's the problem. They're still going to the temple. I'm sure. Oh yes, they're fasting. No doubt they're, you know, having some semblance, some formal, you know, uh, attendance to church and the affairs of the temple. No doubt they're offering sacrifice, but yet in the heart of hearts, amen, God realizes, the prophet knows, amen, and he exposes the root. There's none that's truly seeking God. Now take notice of the literal meaning of the compound term Stir up, amen, stir up. You see, when I read this verse here, it appears to me, I don't know about you, but it appears to me that someone is being blamed, amen, at the very least for not stirring himself up to take hold of God. Amen, does it seem that way to you? Amen, it's just plain English we're reading here. But the, the, the term, the compound term, stir up, it literally means, amen, the opening of the eyes to awake, to lift up self to master self, amen? You see, it appears that God expects men, when appropriate, to take themselves to task, amen? It appears that God expects of you and I, his people, when it's appropriate, amen, when the need is there, when the temptation to be apathetic, sleepy in the spirit, amen, lazy and slothful in the things of God, it appears that he expects us to talk to ourselves, to take ourselves to task, to have a little conversation with self, amen, to call a street meeting for self, amen, to have, amen, a little conversation with ourselves, to stir ourselves up, to take hold of God. Oh, but it wasn't so among these Jews. Oh, how familiar. The need for a move of God's spirit was both great and undeniable. The conditions were desperate. Revival was the only hope. And yet unbelief marked by spiritual passivity, apathy, and indifference reign. And as I said the other day, you know, to say that someone's spiritually passive, to say that someone is apathetic and indifferent is just a nice way of saying, you don't believe God! It's unbelief. Oh, and what a terrible state to fall into. 
And unfortunately, this was not an uncommon thing, but typical when Israel backslid. And we know this, we've read this time and time again in the Old Testament. But like it says in Isaiah 9 and 13, for the people turn, turneth not unto him that smiteth them, neither do they seek the Lord of hosts. You know, when God reproves us, he doesn't want us to be destroyed. That's why he is correcting and reproving. Amen. And we've, we've talked about it many, many times before. When we are chastened of the Lord, amen, there's two specific negative responses to being chastened or corrected. Amen. One is to faint and the other is to despise it. Amen. And either way, listen to me, it is a rejection of the correction of the word of the Lord. God corrects us because he loves us. Amen. I chasten. I rebuke, I reprove those that I love, amen. He doesn't want us to be destroyed, so that's why he corrects us, amen. But we find this, you know, uh, spirit, this spirit of just fading, of losing life, of just drifting aimlessly into death by God's people throughout their history. Ezekiel 22 and 30, very familiar, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that they should not destroy it, but but I found none. None. Zero. You think of that. You think of it. There is a time when God sought in the earth for a living human being among his people that were seeking him, that would stand in the gap, that would give themselves to be an intercessor for others, and he found none. You know, and you say things today like, well, there's not many real Christians in America. And people frown and act as if that's such an extreme statement. Amen. I wonder how many God can find in America. Amen. And the question, the more, you know, probing question for you and I is how many can he find here? How many can he find here that really is willing to rise up, amen, and to take hold of God? Hosea 7 and 7, there is none among them that calleth unto me. And there are many other verses just like this all throughout the scriptures where the situation is desperate, amen. And the whole of that which calls itself the representation of God in the earth has drifted in their intimate relationship with God and God seeks for individuals in such a time he reaches out in his mercy in his love in his long suffering he reaches out to you and I to draw us back unto himself oh to God that we would hear the voice of God nevertheless the greatest application for our consideration in this message and hopefully our edification is these individuals had no excuse. Amen. They had no excuse whatsoever. Listen to Malachi 3 and 7. Amen. You see people trying to offer an excuse in just such a time as this. Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away from my ordinances, said the prophet for God, and have not kept them. Return unto me, saith the Lord, and I will return unto you. That's the heart of God. Return unto me and I'll return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, wherein shall we return? 
wherein shall return. Just offering some kind of excuse. I don't know how to get back. Where, where am I? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't really fathom what you're saying. Well, I can't do it. God has got to do it. I've got something to tell you here this morning. Amen. God is expecting for us to do it. God is expecting for you and I to do it. God is expecting for you and I to rise up and to stir ourselves. He expects us up. God, as he always does, confronted his people in every situation where there was a need for revival. Amen. God always confronted his people with his life-giving, grace-filled word over and over and over. You know, I hear people complain. Amen. Well, you know, I don't sense any grace in my life. Well, I can tell you this. If you have the knowledge of the standard, if you have the understanding that only the word of God, amen, the will of God, can provide for you, amen, then that same commandment and that same word, amen, contains the grace to fulfill the understanding of God's standard, amen, is also supercharged intrinsically with divine grace, amen, if you will rely upon him. Time and time again, amen, he sent warning by his prophets. Remember, God so loved the world that he sent what? His son. And his son is the word of God. This is always the pattern, amen. You see, we've got what we need. We have everything that we have need of. Not only that, amen, we're not, you know, uh, under the Old Testament. We're not under the Old Covenant. We're all professed to be born again here, Amen. We all, or many of us, or most of us, claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. We have everything we have need of to rise up and to take hold of God. We have everything. And yet God, even under the old covenant, amen, he expected them to press in. Time and time again, he sent them the word. Amen. Listen to me. This is always the pattern. He's going to send us the word, but he's not going to believe for us. He's not going to believe for us. We must choose to believe for ourselves. This is our part. And if we do believe, then we are going to act like we believe. Amen. This is true in every sphere of truth or Christianity. You know, if we preach to the Illusions Club, uh, uh, Friday night, a young woman heading into the the club, uh, she looked like she was a dancer. I believe she said she was going to audition or she was trying to, uh, she was going to apply for a job as a stripper. And Brother Tracy was preaching to her, amen, and the word of God, it appeared, pricked her conscience, amen. And she began to weep and scream and she ran back to the truck and climbed in. I'm leaving, I'm leaving. And she left, amen. Well, you know, listen to me, it appears that something took place there. It appears at the very least that what Brother Tracy was telling her regarding the mind of God that she at least believed it. But if we go out there next Friday night and she goes in that bar or we go out there next Friday night and we see that she's been hired there, she didn't believe anything. Is that right? I mean, she walks out on the porch and says, well, I did believe you. I do believe what you're saying is true. Even if she says, I know I'm condemned, but if she doesn't repent, 
She doesn't believe a word that she's saying. Now, every one of us agrees with that. And likewise, listen to me, saint of God. If we, consuming fire fellowship, if we say that we know we need revival, we need a move of God's spirit, that the situation is desperate, and we refuse to stir ourselves, then we are lying to ourselves. Amen. We're hearing and not doing, and so we are deceiving ourselves. We must, amen, we must stir ourselves to take hold of God. You see, condemnation was just for that Old Testament Israel because she refused to choose to open her eyes, to awake to essentially overcome self, amen, and to press in according to the word of God. God gives us his word, and we must believe, and faith always offers corresponding action. We know that faith without works is dead. Amen. Listen to this verse, very familiar verse again. The pattern is demonstrated to us in Psalms 27 and 8. When thou saidest, what's that? That's God's word. When thou, the psalmist said, when thou, God, saidest, seek ye my face. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon me. And I felt chill bumps all over me. And suddenly I couldn't sleep even if I wanted to. I felt like all I could do was pray. The Spirit of God came over me, and I couldn't resist the Holy Ghost if I wanted. All I could do was pray. That isn't what it says. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I see. The psalmist points out the proper response to God's command. Amen. To pray. Listen to me. To choose to pray. It flows from the heart. Amen. Now, in the original language, again, that word heart, it means the center of anything, the will, the will. I will pray. I will pray. I will sing. I will clap my hands. I will praise thee. It's a choice. Amen. You see, listen to me. When we hear the word of God, then it's our responsibility with the will and with the heart to acknowledge the standard of God, to acknowledge the command, to say yes to the instruction, and to do what God says. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that that would be totally void of any grace, but I am saying this. First, we must choose. This is the pattern. God speaks, amen. God gives us the word, amen. Now, we have to act by faith. When we, by faith, act upon the word of God, then God is going to respond to our faith again with his word. And that's the progression. That's the pattern from defeat to victory. That's the pattern from life. That's the progression from death to life, from sin to holiness. There's the command. There's the respond to faith. There's the promise, the word. There's faith back and forth. You see, God, he's the originator. 
Amen. God awakens us. God speaks to us. He gives us his word. In the beginning is the word. Now we have to respond to the word of God. And if we respond to the word of God, then yes, if we truly respond in faith, then God is going to respond positively to you and I. Saint, listen, once God has spoken, once he has sent us his will, amen, or his word, amen, then, you know, listen, you hear people say, well, you know, I don't want to stir myself up. I'm going to wait on God. Once God's spoken, you can wait and wait and wait. You know, sometimes what, to, sometimes what we refer to as waiting is just delayed obedience, you see, that's all it is, because God's already told us what to do. You see, if God speaks, amen, it's not time to wait. It's time to step out on the word of God. You see, nothing will happen until we respond in faith. The word of God is the seed of life or the spiritual catalyst, if you will. But it must have good ground. It must be mixed with faith, amen, for it to be profitable. If it doesn't fall upon good ground, then according to the parable of the sower, it's not going to bring forth any fruit. If the hearing of the word of God is not mixed with faith, then it's not going to profit you and I. And faith is going to do. You see, listen to me, nothing is going to happen if we don't act, amen, if we refuse to believe and refuse to act, amen, then nothing is going to happen. And moreover, make no mistake, nothing will be our fault and not God's. When nothing happens, it won't be God's fault. Nothing will be our fault because he's already spoken to us. He's already given us his word. On the other hand, amen, we know that God in his mercy, in his grace, in his long suffering, he will help us if we will but respond with the slightest degree of faith. We read in James chapter 4, amen, in verse 8, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Oh, what a wonderful promise that is. But if we believe that, then we're not going to stop drawing now. And let me tell you something, church. This is, a, this is the truth. We know that we can be moved because oftentimes when we're preached to, then in the next prayer meeting, amen, or the next week or the next service, amen, there's, you know, a, a we, we tend to stir ourselves. It happens all the time. It's not somehow God moved in a greater way or somehow God, you know, provided, you know, more grace for us this day than last week or et cetera and so forth. It's because we simply acted by faith. But we have to be diligent. You see, this is where we fail. We stir ourselves for a service. We stir ourselves for a week. We stir ourselves maybe for a month, whatever it may be. And then we all tend to fall back into this passivity. Let somebody else pull the train. You know, when one person has pulled the train, you tend to wear out the mule. Amen. Everyone has to pull the load. And how much, uh, you know, more, uh, how much, uh, 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 
uh, more fulfilling and more uh, satisfying and how much better it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Amen. And everyone says, here, brother, let me take off. Let every man carry his own burden. Amen. Let every man see his moral responsibility to stir himself to take hold of God. Well, Brother Britt, could someone do that with an impure motive? Of course. And it would not be honored by God. If someone's unwilling to repent, if someone's wanting to hide sin and just come in here and scream in tongues, well, they're just a hypocrite. God's not going to honor that. And I'm I'm not suggesting that just screaming in tongues constitutes stirring oneself. But I'm saying there has to be something. You see, what, this is what people, what, what, what should I do? Well, if you say, I, you know, I don't, I don't have any hunger. I don't have any hunger. I don't sense any hunger. Well, first of all, don't walk by what you feel. But, you know, that's a good thing to pray about. Don't just stare at the, the pew in front of you. What's wrong? I don't feel any hunger. What's wrong? I don't have any grace. Good. Get down at the altar here and pray about that. That'll give you a good hour of prayer right there. This is an act of faith. Get up. Get on your face. Oh, God, I don't sense any hunger. I want to hunger after you. Help me, oh, God. Move upon me. I need to be broken, God. God will honor that. But he's not going to honor you just sit down in that pew wondering if the roast is cooking right let your mind drift. What you're going to buy next week. What, what you got to do at work. Amen. Not taking, amen, authority over your mind. Amen. Not taking every thought captive to the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God, I, you, you may never scream in here. I, I don't, I'm not saying that. But you know, listen to me. You can tell when people are passive because they're just staring into space. You know, you can come and just, you, Neil, I don't mean you have to come up here. And I don't mean just in a church service. When we pray, when we draw near, you listen to me, just open your heart and talk to God as a little child. I don't, I don't sense any hunger, Brother Brent. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. Are you? You better talk to God about it. Talk to God about that. That'd be a good place to start. Father, you know where I'm at. You know what I. I don't have any hunger. I haven't haven't been seeking you like I should. Forgive me. Cleanse me, Lord God, by the blood. I need your heart. I need your mind. Oh, Father God, search me. Try me. I need you. That's something to talk about to God with. But talk to him about something. Amen. Make an effort. It's going to require that you talk. You ever been with some, you know, someone that doesn't talk too much? And I know some of you in here, you don't talk too much to one another. I understand that. And that's just people's personality. But I'm just saying, I'm using the analogy. If you sit down with someone who's not very talkative, hey, Ben, and you, hey, uh, brother, how's it going? Good. So what's been going on? Nothing. That's difficult, right? And how much can you really get to know someone if they don't open themselves up and share their innermost thoughts? See, that's what God wants. God just wants you to be as a little child. He wants you to depend upon him. 
He wants you to open yourself up. You know, remember that verse where Jesus spoke of those, amen, that uh, did many wonderful works in thy name and, you know, cast out devils in thy name. But he says, depart from me, ye worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. He didn't say you didn't know me, although I doubt that they did know him. But the issue was they wouldn't let Jesus in to their life. Because we know Jesus is God, and we know Jesus knows everything about you. Amen? When he says, I never knew you, you would not allow me. You're a free moral agent. Amen? I created you, amen, with the ability to choose, and you're exercising your free will, amen, to, you know, kick me out of your life. I created you with that will so that you could choose to love me. And loving Jesus requires that we share our heart with him. This church would be totally, absolutely transformed if everybody in it, starting tomorrow, would spend an hour with Jesus just sharing their heart with him. This church would be turned upside down. If everyone in this church would just say, I'm going to go, I'm just going to share with Jesus what's going on. I'm going to open up my, I'm going to just talk to Jesus. And what happens is when you begin to open up to the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what you're doing? You're drawing nigh unto God. And you know what's going to happen? The Bible's going to come true and God is going to draw nigh to you. And then suddenly, hey, then the word of God is going to be quickened in your spirit. And you're going to find yourself praying the word of God. You're going to find yourself praying the will of God. And listen to me. It's simply nine times out of ten, if you're right with God and there's no gross sin in your life or there's no sin, unconfessed, unforsaken sin, amen, the difference is merely pressing in, stirring yourself. You can sit in the back and just, I don't have any hunger. Or you can press in. Amen. It may not happen the first time. It may not happen the second time. It may not happen the 200th time. But it will happen because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. And we must stir ourselves to take hold of God. Amen. When God says to us, seek ye my face, that we need to say with my heart, amen, my heart says unto thee, thy face will I seek. Amen. You see, God is not going to believe for us. God is not going to repent for us. God is not going to pray for us, or pardon me, Jesus is always interceding for us. Amen. But there is a prayer, amen, that we must pray. There is a, there is a, re, a side of the relationship that is our obligation, and that includes communication. There's a communication, amen, that we are to have with God that no one can do for us. Amen? And if our, listen to me, if our quote-unquote relationship with Jesus is void of that communication, then it's a very weak and suspect relationship indeed. Oh, if we'll just draw nigh to him, he will draw nigh unto us. The same glorious truth is expressed throughout the Scripture. In Deuteronomy 4, 30 through 31, when thou art in tribulation, 
And all these things are come upon thee, even in the last days or the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shall be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. He's not going to forget you. I said he's not going to do it. He's not going to destroy us if we will just turn to him. Psalms 145 and 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. If you truly call out of God, if you stir yourself up apart from any, you know, a consciousness of feeling, but you sincerely stir yourself up based solely on what God says, that he is not unto you. Why? Because he said so. The Lord is not unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. Jeremiah 29, very, very familiar passage. But, you know, sometimes I wonder if people read this in context. Verses 11 and 13. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all of your heart. See, God, God wants to bless. God wants to move in our midst. God, God wants to move in our midst more than we want him to move. He wants to move. He wants to supernaturally, amen, do a work of grace in us individually. He wants to do it in our homes. He wants to do it in our marriages. He wants to save every single child in here. Amen. He wants there to be revival in this church. And he will do it. He's promised. If we will only call upon him in truth. Zechariah 1 and 3. Therefore say thou unto them, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Malachi 3 and 7, we read that earlier. Amen. The promise that was in hidden in there with the rebuke, return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. And I could go on and on and on throughout the Bible, quoting you promises that you already know. Thus in times like these, Times of great spiritual need, we have both the command and the promise. We have it in the word of God. But we not only have it in the word of God, we have the spirit of God through the ministry of the spirit first on an individual level. I'm not preaching to you anything that you don't already know because the Holy Ghost has already taught you this. Can somebody say amen? I'm not lying to you, you know that. I'm just telling, I'm telling you what the Holy Ghost has already told you and me. We all know this is true because the Holy Ghost has provided both the command and the promise. We've got it in the Bible. We've got it via the Holy Ghost. And he's also sending us messengers to tell us over and over and over again. God is saying, come, come and whenever we do come sincerely in faith, he's saying, I will hear your cry and I will move for you. That's what he's saying. 
That's the truth. And that should both convict us, but it should also encourage and strengthen us and provide, amen, a catalyst and an inspiration and a divine motivation to press in because God is not going to fail us if we will believe him. Why? Because of Jesus and his shed blood on Calvary. Not because we deserve a move of God, not because of any righteousness, amen, regardless of any righteousness that is here, amen, but because of the finished work of Christ. You say, well, if it's just because what Jesus has done, then it would already happen. No, it's not going to happen until we believe it. But if we believe it, we'll do it. And it'll be on that ground, amen, that we will spring forth into victory that Jesus died. Jesus shed his blood. He was buried on the third day. He rose again. And he is alive. He is a living God. Amen. And he is the God of the living. And it's his will that we live and overcome. Now we move to the New Testament, to the exhortation that we read. And we see here it says, wherefore I put thee in remembrance. Now this is the letter to Timothy by the Apostle Paul, the second letter. But this is applicable to all, right? It's not just to him, it's to us. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hand. God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. You see, if we truly have the spirit of God, and if we're truly being led of the spirit of God, which means that we're in a right relationship with Jesus, Because if we're in a right relationship with Jesus, then Jesus is our Lord. And if Jesus is our Lord, then we're led by the Holy Ghost because those two things are synonymous. Amen. You've heard me say it before. If Brother Brian were to stand up and say, Brother Britt, follow me. And I followed Brother Brian out the front door. Amen. This side of the church might say, well, Brother Britt, follow Brian. That's true. Amen. But this side may say, Brother Britt was led. Amen. By Brother Brian. That would be true as well. The Lordship of Christ and being led by the Spirit are one and the same. Amen. And whosoever is not led by the Spirit of God is not a what? A son of God. So if we truly have the Holy Ghost, amen, then ultimately when we hear the word of God and the command of God and the unction of the Spirit, amen, to move in a certain direction, then we will respond, amen, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, amen. What is fear? Unbelief. Better stir up the gift. I can't do anything God's got to do it. According to the text, you can stir up what God gives you. Is that right? Looks like God expects it. And furthermore, amen, the individual that refuses or the individual that is passive, the individual that is indifferent, you don't have the spirit of power 
love and a sound mind. Looks like you got a spirit of fear. And God never gave you that spirit. Amen. Fear is the same thing as unbelief. Amen. The Apostle Paul exhorted young Timothy, stir up the gift. Now, it's my opinion that the gifts spoken of here are all the callings and the giftings of the indwelling Holy Ghost, amen? Others may disagree, amen, with my conclusion, amen? Somebody may say, oh, I believe it's something else. Nevertheless, it makes little difference. The point stands sure. According to the text, whatever God gives can be righteously stirred up by you and I. Now, I concede, amen, if it's unrighteous or if it's not according, you're not going to get the Holy Ghost to do something that's not according to the Word of God. That's unrighteous. You're not going, that would be manipulation. You're not going to manipulate God. You're not going to manipulate the things of God. So we all recognize that, amen? I'm not talking about you get to do whatever you want to do or you get to drag around Jesus like a poodle on a choker chain. No, no. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if God, amen, has expressed his will as he has through his word and it is according to the word of God, then rest assured, you don't have to wait for a feeling, amen, you don't have to wait for anything, you need to do the will of God based upon the word of God. You hear people say, well, you know, I would go on the street, but I'm not sure the Holy Ghost is leading me to do that. What are you talking about? He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You are being led by the Holy Ghost if you obey that command. Now, true, where you go, if you go to China or whether you go to New Orleans, that is something a little more specific. And I agree, the Holy Ghost may have to, it will have to lead you in that way. You understand? But we know the Bible says, pray without ceasing. So when it comes to prayer, when it comes to knowing God, when it comes into, when it comes to, you know, devotion to God, when it comes to praise and worship, amen, all these things are communicated to us in commands and we can stir ourselves, amen. We can stir ourselves to take hold of God. Moreover, the implication is, and times when we are tempted to be complacent, apathetic, and passive, amen, the implication is not will we stir ourselves, we must stir ourselves. Because if God says stir yourself, that's, that's him telling us, I'm not going to do this, is it. Amen, I've done everything I can do. I've brought you this far. Now you must act. It's the end of the line. You want to wander around in the wilderness over that point? For 40 years, be my guest. But that's it. Stir yourself or else. Right? What else could he do? <laughs> if he says, seek my face, then that's all we're going to hear. We're going to hear it and hear it until we refuse to hear it or someone refuses to say it. God forbid. Amen? And I think it will be normal for us to hear that over the course of our Christian life because that's going to be one of the greatest temptations. But the tendency, the human tendency, amen, apart from God, is to drift. And that is the human tendency, apart from God, to drift. And it takes God's word, 
Amen. It takes staying, abiding, choosing, amen, to abide, to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. If you abide in Christ, amen, if you are ever watchful, amen, you you don't ever have to drift. I'm not saying you have to drift. I'm saying the human tendency apart from God is to drift, to grow cold. And how could it be otherwise? So we're going to hear this over the course, and we're going to hear it a lot over the course of our Christian lives. But the, the, the issue is, amen, are we hearing it and are we choosing to stir? That word stir up or that phrase there, it means to rekindle, to rekindle. For God had not given us the spirit of fear. He's not given us the spirit of unbelief. No, no. He's given us his spirit. And his spirit is the spirit of power. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I just, just can't overcome. I just can't, I just can't seem to do it. What spirit do you have? Is that the spirit of power? I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. On Sunday, running, shouting, bugging, I, nothing wrong with it. On Wednesday, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm right with God. I, I can't overcome. If you, if you really knew who I was. Is that the spirit of power? Ultimately, a failure to respond to the word of God appropriately reveals a forfeiting of the spirit of God. It's spiritual paralysis in crisis times. And if that's the case, in other words, first of all, understand, the thought I can't, that's a lie. Just go ahead and take that, you know, in your mind, in your in your in your eye, your mind's eye, and just write that down on a sheet of paper. I can't <laughs> throw the trash can. That's a lie. Say I won't. That's the truth. I won't do it. That then now see that pricks the conscience a little more. That that's on the road to recovery. Amen. When you see I'm accountable here for what I'm saying and thinking. Because we're accountable no matter what we think and say. But that's the truth. You can. Amen. You can. You must choose to do so. Amen. First, let's return to the truth in regards to the situation. Secondly, amen, don't walk by what you feel. It's really not that difficult. That's one of the things that has baffled me for, you know, over the course of the years that I've been in pastoral ministry. Because I know, I know myself. I know my experience. I know if I'm not praying, <laughs> I don't. It's not that I can't. I won't. I know I can stir my. I know all I have to do is rise up and to be in fellowship with Him. That's all I got to do. I know it. I, he's just. He's right here, just through the veil. He's right there. He's just. He's just through the veil. And if I don't do it, it's because I don't want to and I'm not appreciating the person of God enough. And I'm esteeming something other, whether it be my comfort, whether it be my sleep, whether it be, you know, my imaginations. Amen. I don't want, I, I want to just daydream. You know, listen to me. You, you've got to be diligent in your mind and your thought life. Some people would rather daydream than pray. See, it requires you concentrate. It's labor. It's work. 
But when there's a continual habitual refusal to stir oneself up, then it reveals a grave spiritual condition indeed. You see, saying of God, we live in desperate times. We face even us. And again, when I say us, I'm not just pointing to you. I'm saying me included. Do you understand that? Us. I'm with you. Even us. We need revival. And we must stir ourselves fresh. As we've undeniably established, we're here to experience, amen, the fullness of God. And if we are to realize revival, amen, then the diligent and believing prayer must become a priority in our midst. If God is speaking to us, if he's challenging us, if he is provoking us with his word, then if we will only respond, he will provide grace. Amen. If we'll only just respond, let it not be said of us, as it was often said of those in times past, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. Now we read that terminology used all the time in the scriptures, but think of that in your mind. His hands up. Will, will come. Will you come? Just come. Just come unto me. All, all those that labor, if you're heavy, bro, just, just come. Just come to me. Will you come? Let's stand.